Welcome to Demogranomics, your insight to the powerful surprises ahead for the US economy. Demogranomics, where people make markets. And now, here is Mike Williams. Hello there and welcome back. Thanks for uh, joining us on the podcast. Mike here. We're going to call this one Toughest Task, Common Sense. Have you ever noticed that all the past corrective periods are described as opportunities while all future corrections are defined as risks? We're living through yet another one of those periods. Surely we all know logically that the world is not going to end over Brexit. As covered in your last few podcasts, it's more likely that there's either little change or oddly improved conditions over time. Experts could tell us for months that stocks are overpriced and infamously, quote, due for a correction. Then, when it comes, no matter the reason, the setbacks arrive and the descriptions always include the same words. Collapse, crisis, chaos, chaotic, carnage, slaughter, severe, long-term volatility, and plunging, along with many other very descriptive titles. Let's go back to that common sense theory, though, for a second. I want you to imagine for a moment that all was perfect and stocks or markets were not volatile at all. In fact, take it further for a moment and assume that markets went up every single year, no matter what, 7 to 8%, with zero volatility, no corrections, no setbacks, no bad news. Nice, stable, sedate, quiet, easy. Now consider what things would look like and what would unfold afterward. Let's see. First, no one would want to own bonds or cash, which, by the way, is currently earning zero. Why would you buy either if you could get a stable 8% return in stocks with no risk? In this world, stock prices would steadily rise continuously until they offered a return very close to those non-risk FDIC-insured savings accounts. Zero. But then we would arrive at a very odd place in this fantasy. Markets would be priced for perfection. And here's the biggie. There would indeed be no room for error. The first hint or whisper of any real-life circumstance would send markets plummeting. What realities might that be? Well, the normal, practical, and quote-unquote should-be-expected things which have unfolded ever since investing options were available to humans. That can include periods of disappointing earnings, company missing by a quarter, rising or falling interest rates, recessions, wars, terrorism, Ebola, Zika, bird flu, pigs, Grexit, Brexit, high debt, low debt, inflation, or deflation. All of that could mix with the death of the consumer, or bricks-and-mortar retail, or Obamacare, minimum wage hikes, Fed head chatter, government stupidity, moronic elections, oil price shocks up or down, natural disasters, earnings recessions, and any number of geopolitical events, each being more than enough to send markets plunging. So, if stocks never crashed, prices would rise so high 
that a new crash would oddly be pretty much guaranteed. That's why we must accept that the entire history of the stock market is boom and bust, rinse and repeat for a reason. It is also why we must face this fact even when it hurts. Volatility is the price we all pay to earn higher returns, keyword, over time than other assets. How many times have you thought this? We watch setbacks happening quickly and the thought automatically arises, wow, everyone is panicking, everyone is selling, they must know something I don't. Price action is lots of things. We are on the side that markets are almost always inefficient. Far from the efficient market theory assumed by many. Markets and price action show nothing more than the views of marginal buyers and marginal sellers. Moments in time, mind you. In a second, it is gone and changes again. The last price simply shows an exchange between whoever was willing to buy at that price and sell at that price. Like it or not, as I said in a panel I was on last summer in London covering the dastardly high-frequency traders camp, much of what moves day-to-day prices are computers playing the equivalent of war games with themselves. We should try hard to ignore the desire to read into it for meaning. In fact, just like the movie War Games, when I was a kid, the lesson over time is the same as the movie ended with, and I'm quoting, the only way to win is not to play, unquote. More errors. Since World War II, there have been 15 corrections of 10% or more from stock's most recent high, which did not lead to recession. Many do not recall that the 35% drop in 1987 did not lead to a recession. Neither did the nearly 30% drop from July to October in 1998. What makes people feel even more discomfort is this reality. Studies show there is, oddly enough, a significant disconnect between stocks and our economy. The correlation between GDP growth and subsequent five-year market returns is, get this, minus 0.06%. What does that mean? It means Brexit will be a non-event sooner than most might fear. Embrace corrective action. In fact, welcome it. Napoleon once stated this of a military genius. The man who can do the average thing when all those around him are going crazy. Call me a dummy, but that sounds pretty much like the last 34 years of experience I've seen around the markets. Sorry first for what I'm about to say to all the high-paid fund managers raking too many over the coals and ridiculous fees, but genius is not required to do well in investing. You just have to not go crazy when everyone else is like they are now. Here's a few more things to keep in mind over the long haul. Unless one is impatient or an idiot, history repeatedly proves to us, no matter how stressful to watch in the near term, that lower prices are our friend. 
We are supposed to like market plunges because we can buy good companies at lower prices in intermediate terms. Once again, based on history, before long, those prices have proven to rise and patience has been rewarded. I know it's tough to track or even implement when stress is high. All would agree, but that doesn't change the fact. Sadly, I suppose, in the end, plunges become the reason why stocks return more than other assets. Without risk, periodic dislocations, earnings recessions, and a myriad of other setbacks and excuses, we would not have had the historical returns which have been produced from the markets over time. It is not the market that is the screw-up. The screw-up comes from how we react to normal processes in a very long trek up the mountain of building, managing, and protecting wealth. It's not what's now, it's what's next. So many are mistakenly pushed off course by genius and expensive Wall Street tools that we have collectively forgotten the basics. People make markets. Trust in that fact. Call it simplistic if you will, but decades of history prove it out. At times like this, right now, step back and realize most financial advice is about today. What should I do now? What stocks look good now? But the vast majority of the time, today isn't that important. Real wealth tends to be built over time by just buying and waiting. That's tough. That's difficult. That's why very few people do it. As stated before, most of what matters as a long-term investor is how you behave during the 1% of the time everyone else is losing their cool. Here's some scary thoughts for you. If you dig into the numbers, you're going to find this stat. Every one of the market's top days took place during periods of sheer terror. Of the 20 best markets of all time, 17 were during the Great Depression. One was a few days after the crash of 1987, and two were during the depths of the 2008 financial crisis. Missing these days devastates long-term returns. And most investors who missed them were those who had sold out, stopped buying, or were trying to get around the risk after stocks had crashed while witnessing everyone around them panicking. Those who try to avoid losses consistently end up missing the even larger gains. It's why consistently the average investor gets about 30% of what the market produces. It is the nature of the beast, the ugly underbelly of understanding and accepting risk in all things. But you know, at the end of the day, we can listen to logic and common sense, or we get to pick something else. The great part about all of this is it's merely an opinion, a viewpoint. On the other hand, we could go to a well-watched website right this minute, for example, and get a load of these worrisome headlines. And I'm quoting them. I'm worried about the S&P 500 this summer, that being from a Deutsche Bank investment chief. Mark Faber says, 
Investors are on the Titanic, but enjoy the ride anyway. How about this one from Ron Paul? Simple, the end is coming. (laughs) How about this from Goldman Sachs? Brexit contagion poses risk to the U.S. And finally, from the channel itself, is market underestimating Brexit impact? I guess after reading those five headlines on second thought, as I noted in your last podcast, that sure does sound smarter, huh? Beyond all else, listen, if you don't have a growing number of customers coming your way, you better change or business dies. The barbell economy is significant for the U.S. It is to be long-lasting and on a strong foundation. And most important, it's simple. That might be its worst part, though, because everybody wants to make it tougher. On a very positive front, the U.S. is sitting with a very rare demographic setup which is framed to power us forward for decades to come. Very likely surprising to most. We can fret over it, disagree with it, argue against it, think it's just too simple, pay others higher fees for scarier topics to discuss, or whatever else is required. But if we do, here is my bet on the outcome. We will likely visit the very same facts again at a later date and higher prices in the market. As we stated in both of your summer reviews so far on June 8 and June 25th, and in your notes sending us all to the great Memorial Day weekend break to kick off the summer, we stand by this idea. Pray for a summer swoon and more angst, no matter the excuse. Hope these thoughts have been helpful. We look forward to seeing you again on the next podcast. Until we do, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant.